We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Wednesday, January 17th edition of the show. It is myself and Andrew Spade, and we are here to talk uh, about wildcard round football and some of the lessons that we learned from it. Andrew, what's up, dude? How are you? And are you into the fake slide by Josh Allen or not? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Jake. I can always count on you to ask the hard questions, the hard-hitting uh, journalistic questions every time. You had to explain what this was to me because I watched the game. I saw that run, didn't register anything live, uh, and have not really been participating in the discourse today. Was uh, very busy with work uh, after I had a holiday weekend, so today was a kind of catch up day for me in the office. And um, I don't see it at all. Uh, you, you shared the the on field view, which makes it very clear that he wasn't even close to sliding. The t- TV copy is a little bit murkier but i think it's still pretty clear cut that he that's not about sliding that's just about josh allen being a you know all quarterbacks are a little bit awkward right he's the most athletic non-athletic guy i've ever seen is that like if you remember josh allen's 40 yard dash his running motion that was poked and prodded and made fun Mm -hmm. of so he is he's really athletic but he's also kind of not so that was that was pretty bad i i saw somebody say it was the Elaine dancing of Jukes. And I thought that was pretty good. If you're a Seinfeld person, I thought they nailed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. it was, it was just awkward, I think more than anything. And, but I would just say really missing the point of what that game was because. Oh, it's the, it's why they lost Andrew, you know, according to <laughs> I mean, Steelers nation here. The, the, the superpower of that Mike Tomlin team is that they don't ever give up and they kept that game close. But I didn't ever feel like they had a chance to really come all the way back and pull that off. So the fact that he bent awkwardly during a 52-yard touchdown run, I don't think is necessarily that. Don't either. I just wanted to ask you. This. It's, the, it's the most. It's like the uh, – remember the debate over the blue jacket? Is it blue or is it – was it yellow or blue? Was that the debate back yeah, in the day? Yeah, it was like Very gold viral. with blue stripes maybe or, blue, yeah. or gold with black stripes or blue, I think. Yeah, so there, we have the eye game. Which side of your brain do you use to watch Josh Allen perform a juke move? And then you get to decide, you know, if he was trying to slide or not. That's the rule of the game, I guess. Well, Just, listen, I mean, 
Uh, we have weighed in. All right, we have weighed in. What we're going to do now is weigh in on some wild card round football. We are obviously still um, wrapped in a full body cast trying to repair ourselves from what we witnessed on Saturday. We're not there yet. The wound is very fresh, and it's a full body wound. It, in, it hit hard. It hit in hard. some ways, I'm more upset about it now than I was on Saturday. I, it, from yeah. the standpoint that it just – I don't know, man. I That – it has me. I, I I think the sober part of my brain thinks that the roster is in good shape. The head coach proved a lot of answered a lot of questions uh, about his ability to get a team to buy in this year. I, I think I feel really good about where the general manager's at. And then the emotional side of me is like, I don't. Know, I I just you're going down a dark path. I can sense it. I, well, well, here's it, what I'll ask you: Should we have seen this coming? Like that yes. that's the question. Should I think we have that's, seen this coming? That's a great question, Jake. And I, I've I've gone there a few times. We we talked previously about how we should have seen the defensive struggles on the road coming because they didn't play a true road game against genuine competition between go, going zero and two on that road trip to the West Coast and the, going to the Texans. They they played Houston and Case Keenum, and they played a meaningless Week eighteen game in Cincinnati, in which they got kind of blown out anyway. So that part we should have seen coming. We'll talk about turnovers a little bit more in the, in the scheme of the playoffs. I think we should have recognized what a gigantic warning sign it was that the quarterback couldn't play a game without turning it over twice. Yeah. That, that to me is the looming. There's two things that I think we glossed over in this, you know, you're chasing the high of the playoffs and the belief you want to have this fun belief is the the Flacco turnover stuff. You know, you mentioned, and then the defense on the road. We didn't take those things as serious as we needed to take them because if those two showed up, which we had no reason to think the Flacco thing wouldn't, because I mean the evidence is the evidence. I think maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves with that because Flacco had done sort of his best turnover performance in that exact stadium, but every other game had sort of produced the same results. And then, and then this defense on the road against competent quarterbacks. Again, I think we sort of mind trick ourselves at the end of the year. CJ Stroud had that bad Jets game. The Jets are really good, and that's a road game, and he got he got hurt during it. Multiple weeks off, and then he played really phenomenally in that that Colts game. But you know, you're like, this isn't the same defense. The Browns can be better. And then, like, my question to myself mentally was, if CJ was just continuing to do the things that he does, would we have gone through taking him? lightly to the point we thought the Browns would win. We respected him in the sense of looking at the opponents because we ranked them as the last team we wanted to play because obviously we're talking about that reason, which is CJ was the best of the options that were there. But I don't think we gave him the proper due respect or not not respect, but proper fear that he could decipher and pick apart. And people tried to say the same things, kind of downplay what Bobby Slowick could do. Yeah, he's pretty good, but likes to run it a lot on early downs. And, you know, they they were... They were ready. They dismantled the Browns' defense in a way few have, and only 44 plays, 8.1 per play. And that that part is kind of a big thing we're going to discuss here in a minute, but those are the things I just think we missed, Andrew. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think part of what was happening with Flacco down the stretch is the Browns were playing a bunch of incomplete football teams. Yes, right? uh, Unbalanced teams. The Jaguars, we know how their season ended. I don't know that they're necessarily unbalanced, but they certainly are. We're not playing well. The Bears, 
a great defense, not much of an offense. The Texans were kind of in the same boat because of Case Keenum. Then you've got the Jets, same yeah. thing. I think there should have been a little bit more attention paid to the fact that you can get away with this stuff when you're playing teams that can't jump all over you. You can't get away with it as much when you're playing teams that really can. And, of course, the playoffs are that. The playoffs are only, almost always only going to have teams that don't have a, a, a serious misbalance of talent. It's going to be a good offense and a good defense. One better than the other, but you're, you're going to play two good units. Really, I think other than the Steelers and I don't know what the hell is happening with the Eagles, but generally speaking, teams at the, the playoff level are going to be ready to go. And I think we should have thought a little bit more about what the, how the Browns were succeeding was going to look against a really well-balanced team. I also think it's really hard in the buildup and anticipation of we are trying to be unbiased as best we can. Again, you can see behind me, Andrew, there's a plethora of Browns things. I'm a Browns fan. I've never hid that. And I know you are too, quite obviously. So like, it's not fun to listen to our podcast and we go, you know what? I really think CJ Stroud's going to rip them apart in this game. Like that's, yeah, nobody that's wants not to do that. fun. Mm-hmm. Now we want to try to be like, we didn't do well enough preparing you for what could happen in this one. I also just totally whiffed on Schwartz ability to, tweak things right which is something i thought he would do but he didn't i mean listen part of the reason this is sticking with me is because the browns did not acquit themselves well no like i think you can be pretty okay with the offensive performance other than obviously the quarterback turnovers yeah you have to be very very disappointed and i think concerned about the defensive performance and then since the game there's been a little bit of Lack of accountability from a few, well, really one player is jumping out to me. And that doesn't make me feel great either, right? Because the sign of a good team is admitting and really holding your hand up when you did not do a good enough job. And this was uncontroversially their worst defensive performance of the season. And they have to own that to get better. They have to own it to get better. And I also thought Miles... Garrett's comments uh, in the post game were not super encouraging about how he felt about the defensive. Now he has always spent spoken with a lot of candor about what he thinks went wrong. So I don't think that necessarily indicates a divide between, between him and the defensive coordinator, but he, the things that he was talking about with adjustments and how they approach the game, it's not what you want to hear your best defensive player saying after a loss. Yeah, and it, I think it probably speaks to why Kevin Stefanski will always just, just sort of tight lip things, right, and take the blame. And you hate that. People out there hate that. But he does it to avoid any misconception of controversy. Miles could have just been saying, hey, we didn't – we rode with what we rode with. This is what he wanted to do. We didn't make adjustments. We should have made adjustments, but we rode with what we rode with. And he didn't really say, like, I hated our game plan. He's just telling you what they did. No, you're right. And, and it's like, right. and I'm not, and I'm not saying you're accusing. But what I am saying is, when you do say those things, it leaves a gray area for people to try to interpret. Oh, is Miles pissed at Schwartz like he was at Joe Woods back in the day? That's sort of the stuff uh, that can that can happen. It can seep in, and I think that's a big thing Kevin tries to avoid. And and um, and again, I don't, I don't think Miles is wrong, Andrew. I just, well, I, I just yeah. think that that's that's like an element of when you leave those sort of comments out there for people to grab and parse, right? Like that's the sort of outcome that you get. Yeah. I wouldn't blame a player like miles Garrett for being frustrated and a little bit upset with Jim Schwartz, frankly, because 
the game plan did stink and they didn't do a good job of putting their players in a good enough situation to succeed against that opponent. It made the defense look bad. He's on the defense. I know that the voting for defensive player of the year is concluded before this game is played, but these guys, it's, it's all, it all comes back to their standing within the league and their reputations and that sort of thing. And they did not look like the best defense in the league. I, I think one of the really interesting stories for Browns fans this coming weekend is what that Ravens defense looks like against CJ Stroud, because all year neck and neck, the Browns were doing it one way. The Ravens are doing it a very different way defensively, but they statistically have been in right in the same neighborhood. If Stroud looks lost and confused, now it's a road game, different story, but if he looks lost and confused against Baltimore, doesn't that kind of answer the question? It does. It does. And 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 another thing before we move off and go to break here is like, I think we have to be careful. The popular thing to do is going to spend be spending the next eight months or whatever it is. I don't even know how many they'll be saying that the Browns defense wasn't good. This will be a popular thing. They will try to pick apart every single game they played and say, well, they only played this guy and that guy, and they only did this, that. No, they're a, re- they're a really good defense. But the problem is you can you can be a really good defense. All it takes in the playoffs is one really bad game to erase that. And that that is something that is worrisome uh, to the general right um, uh, structure of what they're they're attempting to do here. Uh, and it can also um, sort of damage the psyche of the people in house to make decisions that aren't um, of sound mind. And it also makes people with opinions want to throw out nonsensical things. I think we, again, I know that there's some of their games were advantageous situations. I, it doesn't miss me, but they were still really good in a gigantic step in the right direction. It is not an, a finished product for what Jim Schwartz ultimately is in Cleveland, Andrew, at least I hope. Um, Again, I can't speak in definitives there. I don't know that. Maybe he's unwilling to adapt at all. Uh, This humble pie that they were served maybe uh, helps him do that a little bit more. But uh, I I just want to again remind folks that they were really good and they were a a gigantic part of the Browns winning the 11 games that they won. And we have to remember that even though the uh, the lasting sort of image and memory we have is not fun to think about, right? Yeah, I think that's a good reminder. I the Browns are not 11 and 6 with an average defense. Their offense was putrid for large parts of the season and the defense single-handedly won them multiple games. There's just not really another way to say it. So, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a good reminder. I think it's also these this is going to be the two sides of the coin, Jake, for us for the next however many months as you said. Uh, the defense was really, really good. It's it's likely that it will not be as good next year, with with the way that defense yeah. works in the NFL. Yep. And and we think of this season as being super duper injury cursed from a from a Browns perspective, and it was. But the injuries really were mostly on offense. Correct. Correct. They, they played most of their starters against Houston. It was not. You can talk about the injuries on the offense, but the defense was the side of the ball that was disappointing, and they didn't, you know, other than Grant Delpit, it's a and Maurice Hurst, it's a it's a pretty clean bill of health for them. Yeah, and especially guys that matter to what they're trying to do. I guess Anthony you know? Walker, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Talk, the big, talk the big was guys, playing right. well. Yes, yeah. so yeah, they got a lot of self. Like you mentioned, there needs to be a, a coming to Jesus meeting there where they. 
They admit who is at blame, who's at fault, how do we get better, what do we need to do this offseason, what do we need to implement. Those are things I would love to discuss with Jim Schwartz because there has to be some self-reflection about the humbling that was served to them all year by that structure of offense, um, which is important to note. And listen, we'll talk. Let's just we'll talk about it in a minute. We'll come back from break. We're gonna take a quick break. Come back, and then we're gonna talk about um, just sort of the ranking the lessons we learned about what Wild Card Weekend uh, looks like and, and how it matters. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, so you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty. so what we tried to do is um, you know, peel apart the lessons that you take from the whole wild card weekend. Now these aren't perfect. Not every single game falls under this formula, but these are the four things that we have as what we learned from wild card weekend. Essentially, what it takes to win, right, Andrew? So that's the angle we're taking here. The first one is a home game. <laughs> I mean, five of the six home teams won. The NFL has no uh, plans in the future here to uh, to switch it up and give the seeds the reseed based on uh, record and all that stuff. They're not going to do it. So a tough pill for Browns fans to swallow is that you got to win the division. Now, you might say, well, this division is brutal, and how do you win it? The Bengals didn't win it with a fantastic record. They won a very tight 
bad division record wise just last year, if I recall, Andrew. I think they might have won it at 10 and 7. Um, it wasn't pretty, but I, all I'm saying is um, you're not going to have. I know this division's really good, but it doesn't necessarily mean the Ravens are going to win 13 ball games every year. So the goal here has to be, and I'm not saying that this isn't their goal, but this is the lesson is like if you want to win playoff games, you can obviously go on the road and do that. We saw the Browns do it in 2020. We saw the Packers do it this 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 past weekend as well. But it takes some fluky stuff happening, some tip balls, some you know snap over the head of the quarterback like Roethlisberger's was, Dak Prescott playing yeah. really bad, turning the football over. You need – I mean, it was kind of weird how similar those two games were uh, when you look at like the, the jump out on the scoreboard and stuff like that and then the offense playing pretty well behind it. But, I mean, to me – you can win road games, but it's brutal. And um, we're reminded of how hard those are to win with full crowds in place. So find a way to win the division. That's what they have to figure out in Cleveland. It's it's not fun to hear, but it is the reality of the situation. It's absolutely at the top of the list because of not just what we saw this past weekend, but what it means to play the first game of the playoffs on the road. I actually think even if you're the three or the four seed, Think about the Chiefs. They get the home game. You get a chance to kind of find your way into it. Now they go to Buffalo. They can, they can continue, but they're in they're in the playoffs. They're playing, and I think that first game going on the road is is a challenge. It's a challenge because you you have to match the energy of not just the the other team, but of the stadium, and it can be it can be daunting. And I I think that you saw that a few times this weekend. Where, I mean, I think the games on Saturday both had this feel to me. Obviously, the first half of Browns Texans was com- competitive, but when it got away from the Browns, it got away from them really fast and definitively. The Dolphins going into Kansas City with that weather, etc., it was never even going to be a game. They from the from the opening kick, you just could tell one team was ready to play and the other one wasn't. And it's worth mentioning that part of this, Jake, is what the Browns would have in a home field advantage. Uh, if they had been playing at home this weekend, the weather would have been terrible. And that would have helped the Browns win the game. No, there's no doubt. It would have been terrible and it would have been really loud. And all of the things that Houston would have tried to do would have been amplified. Difficulty, wind, cold. We know we know what the weather was in Ohio this past weekend. That would have been awful to play in. So... I know CJ's not immune to it. He's been around it, but not everybody is. And it changes how right. you throw it. Right. Changes how you throw it. I, I, I am not, I'm with you that I can't, you know, I can't sit here and definitively say the Browns would have won at home, but I know the odds would have been a lot better, man. Um, a lot better. So again, that, that the home game is important. Wish there was a better formula for it, but there, um, there, there is not, there is not. So turnovers are the second thing looking through these games. Now this is not again, Andrew and Jake solving football one one. But, you know, in these games, you, you damn well can't turn it over. You don't see teams lose the turnover battle and win playoff games very often. The Browns throw two. We know how crippling both of those turnovers were, right? Um, return for touchdowns. In the Kansas City-Miami game, there is a interception uh, in the second possession from Tua Tagovailoa. So uh, I know that uh, it actually ended up being 1-1, but that was Kansas City. The game was decided. It's like the last turnover on downs fumble on the last drive for Kansas City. It was a meaningless turnover. So it was really a one nothing turnover scenario in this game. And that one early, obviously, in a game of that nature with those temperatures explains a lot, right? 
Uh, Green Bay and Dallas, two Dak Prescott interceptions deep in his own territory. Uh, was one also taken back for a touchdown at this point? I can't even. Yeah, one was. So one was yeah. a Jair Darnell Alexander Savage. interception down at the 10 and a Darnell Savage interception 64 yards back to the crib, right? So mm-hmm. that is a, another example. Now, Detroit and LA played a clean game. Neither team turned the football over, right? So that's our only really competitive, super interesting game of go. the entire weekend. Yep. Pittsburgh turns it over twice. And then Philly didn't turn it over. They're just bad. They just, they just had no offense. <laughs> like they are, they were bad. I don't even know yeah. what other way to say it. They didn't don't turn be it bad. over. That's another tip. But have an offense that can at least function. And they were zero for nine on third downs. Like they were, there's, you know, not every formula is perfect here, but the turnover formula is usually pretty spot on. So, uh, you know, it's ironic seeing that what happened to Dak is almost essentially exactly what happened to Joe. But again, we talked about this before break. But this is something that we probably should have been taking more serious because, and it's so weird with Flacco. He is so good leading up to the moment he throws the first one and then just doubles up on the second one. And you're like, he played like 92% of a great game and and just missed two awful things. And that's it. And that's all. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think we, yeah, we said it earlier. We should, should have been more cognizant. I have also seen the, the narrative though, and this really is, belongs in our first segment but i just thought of it uh i've seen the narrative that the the game you know the browns were in the game and they certainly were they were down 10 they were driving i'm guilty of this i i'm, I'm I think, guilty of it. i think the flip side jake is i don't trust the defense to get a ton of stops in that second half yeah. if they needed them that's the belief that you're trying to throw together and it's a belief built on that they'd done that at points in the year totally. san francisco they got whooped up on a little bit early settled in played well yep. what was it seattle settled but the, it yep. was the difference was those games were first quarters mm-hmm. versus the second quarter was just as awful as the first quarter so they if did it, get if that not worse yeah uh, totally and the, the they did get a stop but if you want to jump into the what if i yeah. think it's hard to sit there and say the browns would have won but it's certainly would not have been 45-14. They could have kind of right. held in sure. maybe toward toward the end, but yeah, it's I not I think a, the Browns would have needed to score 40 though. Oh, it would have needed yeah, at the minimum get into the th- <laughs> high 30s together, yeah. like a 36-33 final. Right. It would have it, yeah, it would have been that sort of a thing because you're talking about it was already 24-14 when they were driving to make it 24-21. I think the Texans were good for 10 points beyond that at least. So yes. You're talking about having to score 35 to 38 to 40 points, which in any road game in the NFL, you have to play absolutely flawless offensive football, no turnovers to even sniff 40 points. So after the uh, turnover stuff, we have uh, coordinators who are under the label of we are who we are. There's an unwillingness to adapt their their traditional sense of game planning and scheme calling uh, at all. And I think we saw three pieces of evidence of this. We saw Dan Quinn in Dallas doing some extremely questionable things with personnel and getting aggressive. Some of their man tendencies, the same with the Browns who did. I'm I'm looking, guys. I'm not seeing anything Jim Schwartz did outside of doing the, some green dog stuff that ended up hurting them badly. They didn't even, they didn't even blitz much. It blitzed them on five dropbacks. So. There's very little change there. And then there's some offense, right, that are that are similar uh, sort of stuff here. We would probably look at Philly, who did nothing different, despite yeah. being down I A.J. Think, Brown. They didn't use any motion. They didn't do anything creative outside the box. I think the, the Cowboys. With, 
yeah, you could probably say the Cowboys, although I'm not super familiar with uh, what the flaw would have been there, but the, 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 you'd have to think if Green Bay's sitting on a lot of the things that you're doing, you probably, I mean, I, listen, I don't think Green Bay people hold Joe Barry with the hardest. No, so, and they so can't, they haven't stopped the run all year. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And then, K, I mean, Miami, I mean, you know, it wasn't. Right. And I think, yeah, we talked about that one already. I think that's just Mike McDaniel's scared of the weather. I mean, that's the only, the only way I can make sense of it is just that his game plan yeah. seemed to be, we won't be able to throw the ball downfield, so we got to make it work within a five-yard box. Dolphins are a little bit of a challenge because of, you know, the injury stuff is sort of similar, and their stuff hit late. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and again, I'll mm-hmm. say, too, I give Kevin a lot of credit for a lot of things. I thought he did great at the end of the year. There are a couple times where he didn't do two-side chip stuff, which he normally did, and when he only gave one guy a chip responsibility and let the other tackle be on an island, they got sacked both times. One led to the interception. Uh, two sacks, one led to the interception. So, I mean, I understand wanting to get that fourth guy downfield a little bit faster, but it hurt him. It hurt him in a really big way because you cannot leave John Christian and you can't leave James Great Hudson point. on islands. They they can't block. They can't block them. So, um, right. anyway, that's our that's our third one. And and it's more so the biggest people I look at with that one is Philly, who is awful, Dan Quinn's defense, which was awful, and Jim Schwartz's defense, which was awful. So if you have these guys who are steadfast and being who they are and they don't want to alter their their sort of central structure to even get like, hey, we'll get 15 plays of this really weird stuff they've never seen before, right? We're going to throw this at their 11 personnel or whatever. That's the stuff you need because that's how you create some some chaos. And I, I think you got to ask yourself the question when you're looking through like the ranking system of these games did we have one of those coordinators who really hurt us? And I think there are several teams that dealt with that. Well, I think there is a, it it's, you forget it every year, Jake, but NFL playoff football is just a different animal than the regular season. It's just a completely different animal. And you see results that can be surprising. You see teams that just look definitively better. And it's, we're not talking about talent here The the Browns on, you know, even with the injury situation, you're right that the tackles couldn't block. <laughs> other than that, which is a funny thing to say, but other than that, talent-wise, across the roster, they have the talent to compete in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about that. So when you see these teams, I mean, you talk about the Cowboys and how much talent they have, and they get run out of the gym by a Packers team that is the young, one of the youngest in the league, right? So you see this happen where the team with the better plan looks like a markedly better football team and it, it happens every year. It, it really comes down to what happens in the buildings of these teams the week before, you know, the week before the game, when they find out who their matchup's gonna be, and they start breaking down their film. And some of these guys build an entire game plan that works specifically to beat that team. And other guys are like, Well, I we have the best defense in the league. Probably we'll just do that. We'll just keep doing that, and yeah. that'll be fine. And we saw how that worked. We sure did. And it's too, you know, you can try to catch the opposing offense thinking you're going to do a bunch of different stuff and you don't. But I would prefer the contrary to that, where you where you do put some different stuff on their plate and try to confuse them. Because even if you wanted to come in with that plan, once you saw there, the, it wasn't just that there wasn't a plan off the jump. It's that there wasn't a counterpunch. So there wasn't. The, the the question that was begged after the first few drives was, what are you doing, Jim? What are you going to do next to stop the bleeding? And the answer was, 
I don't know. <laughs> really, that really was what the answer was, and we watched it unfold. Honestly, the biggest relief for Schwartz was this is going to sound stupid, but you know the defense didn't have to deal with anything serious the second half after the offense gave away fourteen points. Exactly because they could have given exactly. up forty independently in that game the way things were trending. So, uh, okay. And then the last one we have here to close is momentum. It, it obviously is not the biggest factor uh, of a wild card win, but it helps, right? You look at the teams, just sort of standalone games, right? The Browns obviously had week 17 momentum, but then they took week 18 off and I understand why they did it. We've been through this. We don't have to rediscuss it, but there's a, a gap there of momentum that you sort of lose taking a week off this is something the bye week teams talk all the time about being concerned about hitting the ground running that sort of stuff while Houston had a very competitive win and get in scenario in week 18 right and they were very dialed in from the start when I think we could all agree Browns initially not very dialed in on either side of the football got it going offensively a little later defense sort of maybe got it going in the start of the second half but that's a big question mark we can't say that one way or the other uh, Miami and Kansas City kind of cancel each other out, neither team playing very well. Kansas City a little bit better at the end of the year, obviously a little healthier too, so that matters. Um, but those two cancel each other out. I would say Dallas limped into their uh, playoffs, uh, you know, sort of trying to fight for the division. Wouldn't say they were riding high by any means, whereas I thought Green Bay fighting right up until the very end, figuring out who they were, winning meaningful games. So that leans toward Green Bay coming in with more momentum. I think L.A. and Detroit both were playing until the very end. I don't think there's an advantage to that one. So those two kind of cancel out. Buffalo-Pittsburgh also kind of cancel out. Both teams fighting really hard. Buffalo's just clearly better driven. I mean, the gap between Mason Rudolph and the gap between uh, Josh Allen's the biggest single gap. It's the biggest slider. slider. Uh, is the biggest single gap in a playoff game we had, right? I mean, I'm not missing something here. I think that's the biggest quarterback gap we had. So sort of start to stretch the rules a little bit there. And then we can all agree Philly was a train wreck from the time Nick Sirianni yelled at the Kansas City fans through the end of the year. I I, I got to ask, is Sirianni done? Like, it feels like he's I don't think they come back from this. And he's so arrogant. Like, I don't don't really know how they come back from this. It's very interesting. It felt like the Cowboys thing was a slam dunk. It's now Tuesday. Yeah. Nothing's happened there. And the Sirianni thing felt like a slam dunk to me after last night. Nothing's happened yet as of late on Tuesday evening. So maybe the playoffs are good enough for these owners. I think if Jerry Jones doesn't move on from Mike McCarthy, it's such a clear indictment that he doesn't actually care about winning another Super Bowl and just wants to do the thing where he gets all the attention, but then doesn't change anything. I, I, there's there's no argument for bringing Mike McCarthy back that I can see. I saw that he got some some love from his players. You know why that is, Jake? Because they don't want a hard-ass coach like Bill Belichick to yeah. go in there and make them practice. Yeah, That's why. That's exactly why. Because Mike McCarthy, just throw, throw it back to Green Bay, he left and it came out that he was getting massages in his office in the middle of the day. He does not run a tight ship. So if you're wondering why everybody in Dallas is like, yeah, Mike's he knows ball, man. That guy knows how to play. He schemes it up. It's because they know what's walking out the door if he leaves. Well said. Um, to finish the Tampa side with Philly, as we question whether either of those NFC East coaches will be back, 
largely because the fan yeah. bases are those are the two single most impatient fan bases in football. Um, is that Tampa was winning? You know, I, Tampa's a little tricky because they won and had a chance to beat New Orleans and get in before Week 18. They didn't, but they did get a tough win in Carolina. Don't roll your eyes when I say that. Defense was playing better, according to Andrew, at the end of the year. But they they uh, <laughs> they, they did win two of their last three to get in. Where Philly was just they were collapsing. They're the single worst collapsing team in the in the in the grouping of playoff teams here, right there with Miami. And both those teams seven points and nine points and give up twenty six and thirty two. So there's your there's your momentum uh, guide for you. I hope this made sense. I think it made sense. I think there's quite clearly home game turnovers. Yeah, adjusting a coordinators who will adjust both their usual tendencies alongside uh, being able to adjust on the flying games and then having momentum going into the playoffs really, really helps. You didn't even mention injuries, but I feel like injuries are just a, just a really obvious thing. It's, yeah. That's the NFL, man, especially these days with the 17 game schedule, one bye week, every, every team it's well, not every team, but, but, and the ones that aren't, it's luck. It's not that yeah. they did some, you know, it's just how that's the, it's the roll of the dice. And, and we know a few years ago, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl on the back of having basically nobody hurt. I want to go back to the momentum thing because I had a really bad time during that Bengals Browns game because I posted on Twitter in the first quarter, like it, it's, it's at least worth asking whether this is the right decision to rest. Literally you ever considered shutting team. up? What about that? Did people say that to you? <laughs> that was that was the tenor yeah. of the replies, Jake. You really encapsulated it. And the well, what what I'll say is the most common response is, well, if Miles Garrett gets hurt today, you'd be killing Kevin Stefanski for playing him in a meaningless game. So it's it's a counterfactual, right? So so it's a hypothetical. What if what if? And it doesn't even have to be Garrett, right? So say they rest their three four best players. But Flacco and the offensive line are out there doing their thing, staying warm. Say uh, Garan Christian or say Wyatt Teller. He's kind of perfect, right? Because he's not one of the best players on the team, but he is a very good player and you would need him in the playoffs. Say Wyatt Teller sprains an ankle and all of a sudden he's going to miss the playoff game. You'd be upset about that. Obviously you would. Everybody would, right? Because you didn't need to play players to win that game. My point and the, the point that I was making with that tweet the point that i was trying to get people to think about is there are two counterfactuals here one is somebody gets hurt the other one is the team is hot as hell and you're taking and taking them and, and basically putting them on ice for 18 days because you beat the jets on the 28th and you didn't play until what was what was saturday the 13th right so you're talking about yep. 16 days no no competitive football so the counterfactuals are somebody gets hurt or you don't carry your momentum through to the playoffs. And I wanted people to think about that just because it's not the only thing you're risking in, in those games is not injury. It's also losing what you've built. And I think, I don't know how much that played into it. I don't think any of us do. I think you, you believe in it and that's okay. And I don't, and also, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think that there's an answer to this. And even Kevin says when he's asked about it, I don't know the answer to this. Like he's basically said, right. I made a judgment call that I thought our guys were so beat up that they needed and had kind of deserved and earned a week to get healthy. He maybe he would do it all over again completely differently. 
I don't know. And I don't know that there's a, yeah. I mean, there are people that study numbers and will tell you that momentum is a made up thing. Even in game momentum is a made up thing. You're just not playing well is what they will say. I do not go there flat out. Like just not a believer in that. I am though a believer that your team, which has been cohesively together for a significant amount of time should be able to take one week off and be just fine without losing the entirety of their mojo. Otherwise, we would never see one seeds make the Super Bowl or two, you know, used to be two seeds also got the buy. We would never see them make the Super Bowl. But I'm not here to say you're an idiot for thinking that way. It could very well be that they got complacent. They got fat and happy over that week off and they just didn't have the right mindset, even though they were saying the right things. Who knows? It's a very yeah. big question mark. I'm not even saying that I think that's what happened. I'm just saying that there's the it, the only, it's not just that you're risking injuries if you play your starters. You're also risking something by sitting them. I do I, think I, that's true. Fair. I think I think it's fair. And I think that's I think if coaches had the choice, they would keep playing. I really do that they would keep playing to keep the thing moving uh, in what they believe is a forward uh, rotation, right? Yeah. I mean, in many ways, it's a no-win situation, right? You you send nobody out there, nobody gets hurt, and you get boat raced, and it feels bad. Or you send somebody out there that's important, they get hurt. Now you're the biggest idiot in the state of Ohio. It's, I think that's no why we. Situation. I think that's why we have it as the the last of the important notes because if Jim Schwartz comes Absolutely. up with a better game plan and disrupts C.J. Stroud from picking them apart, they probably win. And we're never talking about this subject again. It is a thing. Right. It's not something you can ignore, but it's not the most important thing to winning a wild card game. And that is what we spent time talking about today because i think that there are plenty of lessons to be learned from and especially getting away from the last time the browns were in this in 2020 with no fans when it was completely different but we are open to you guys telling us where we screwed up or what we missed or what we didn't get right you know we'll always have conversations on twitter um we appreciate um you know the banter that we get we'll do a mailbag it's going to be a day late we will certainly do a mailbag for tomorrow so drop by ask your questions if you'd like to and, uh, you know, it's so off season now. So Andrew and I can't duck from those questions anymore. If you have something you want to ask about those, we will do the best we can to answer them uh, according to what we know at this point. So uh, swing by and fire those away if you'd like. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, Jake. People should get really creative and aggressive with their off season questions because I still haven't really started thinking about it yet. Maybe it'll help uh, us too. But you guys. Yeah, I was going to say it. It's going to jog things a little bit. And I, th- I think. I have a feeling that people have some pretty different ideas about how this whole thing is going to go. I think this we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, and I can't wait to do it. I flipped my frame of mind. Mr. Off, I want to be known now as not Mr. Unlimited. I want to be known as Mr. Off season. How's that sound? Yeah, I think not creepy that, that no, I it's very, it's very on brand for your whole thing as Love a guy it. who likes to say stuff. A guy who I, I <laughs> that's why I bring guys on who, who will do the same at Flacco. Right. <laughs> We'll get there. Listen, guys, have a great day. Have a great one. Andrew and I appreciate you being here, stopping by, being a part of the show. And like I said, drop those mailbag questions to the tweet tomorrow, or you can DM them, uh, whatever you choose. We'll try to get to those. If we, if you have already sent me one, some of you have, can you, can you resend those over if you, if you could, because in the haze of this Saturday game and the weekend and being really frustrated about it, I might've missed it. And I really don't want to miss anyone's question if you've already thrown one over. So uh, do that if you can. Otherwise have a fantastic Wednesday. We'll check in with you on Thursday. Until then, be safe, be well, and go Browns.